Uh, good morning. Welcome to Navigating the Intentional Life, Episode 1. I am Justin Copeland, founder and creator of Intentional uh, Living. Not really. I am the founder and creator of Navigating the Intentional Life, this podcast, and also the blog of the same name. <clears throat> and this is Episode 1. So before I get started... I'm going to do the right thing and and give some shout outs to some individuals that got us to this very moment that got me to this very place and time in my life that I am now part of the bazillion, gazillion individuals who are out there podcasting and speaking really on the same concept, the same construct of thought that comes from wanting to lead from the front as a man, not only just for yourself, but for your family, for your friends, obviously for your children, and how we're going to go about doing that in a time and a society that that is not something that is as valued as it once was. So as I said, the shout outs, how I got here, inspirations for me. Uh, First, a good friend, Ian Griffith. Uh, with his H1214 Ministries. That is something that has just started as well. It is in the infancy, but the mindset and the concept and the ideas behind it are the same as what we are attempting to do here at Navigating the Intentional Life. You can find Ian on Facebook under the H1214 Ministries. Uh, that is something that is is soon to start blowing up, so check that out. I also give a shout out to a gentleman that I've actually never met, but follow on the social media, Zach Small, Tanner Gunzi, um, Ryan Mixler, and some of those other individuals that I uh, found through Instagram that they themselves are, are men of purpose. Uh, they are ones that know that their family is, is uh, at the forefront of everything that they do or should be, and that is the concept that I myself have very much ingrained within me. I also like to give thank you to many friends, but uh, specifically Nathan Kosar uh, and his motorcycle club, the Dirty Bandanas. You can also find them on Facebook, Dirty Bandanas, and the the work that that club does for their community there in Northeast Oklahoma and the people that they've been able to impact through the example that they lead. Uh, I did say motorcycle club. Yes, it is not Jack's Teller. It is. It's not a one percent one percent club. <clears throat> it is. It is a motorcycle club that is actually deeply rooted in Native American beliefs, ideologies, culture. It is a club that is set on giving back to the community through. Uh, toy runs and things of that nature. So that said, the last individual that I would would like to say thank you to got that got me here to where I'm at is my brother Shane. He and I spend countless hours on the phone discussing anything and everything that I will probably discuss over the course of this journey with navigating the intentional life in this podcast to adnesium. Countless hours spent on the phone dissecting life what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a good human being, what it means to have motivation and working through fears and hurts and pains and doubt and disappointments. You know, we've covered it all. So there's that. Now, those are the uh, individuals that got me to actually doing this podcast. But the circumstances, the journey that that got me here, my own personal experience is one that, you know, honestly started probably over 15 years ago. I could even curtail that back as far as being 13 years old and having a handheld camcorder with my friends and just recording ridiculous skits, little movies, little plays, little uh, vlogs. We were ahead of our time. geniuses (laughs) just recording the dumb things that we were doing little storylines saturday night live wannabes but we were entertaining we were entertaining ourselves and we wanted to entertain 
the masses that unfortunately never saw those VHSs that we spent hours putting together to put together a quality of uh, shaky, shaky images and, and ideas that unfortunately have not seen the light. But that want, that drive, that, that uh, curiosity of entertaining and putting yourself out there is one that started very early for myself and many of my friends. And that has grown over the years into my, my early 20s when I did have the opportunity to travel a bit and see different parts of this country. And in that, meet individuals and people from all kinds and walks of life that really started to shape how I started to look at the world and what values were mine, what values I carried over from my parents, my family, and growing up. And then I went into the military. I'm a veteran, I was in the Air Force, uh, and it's one of those that, one of those parts of my life that I'm very thankful for, I'm very proud of, but it's also one of those parts of my life where I feel like there's a lot of unfinished business. And that's something for another podcast that I will dive into, but for right now, that is, is something that did shape <clears throat> yet again another aspect of me that thought about, okay, what am I doing that's bigger than myself? What am I doing that, at the time, my, my oldest was not born yet? He was on his way when I was uh, really just getting my feet wet with being in the military. So my, my, my thought process with him was, well, what am I doing to show him that life is so much more meaningful than just living it for yourself? What are you involving yourself in that's going to be a bigger picture that is going on long after you take your last breath here on, on this lovely little rock that we call our home? I was a young man, had a failed marriage, <clears throat> but not all was lost in that marriage. God bless her, I'm not somebody that's easy to be with. I'm not somebody that's easy to always be around and call somebody that is your friend or that you care about because I am stubborn. I am complex with my emotions at times and all the insecurities that I may or may not have. And so the failings in our marriage was not completely, uh, I mean, it was, it was definitely a, a 50-50 deal. But the point of that is to say that even in some of those failings, there was a lot of good. There was a lot of support on both sides. I started writing uh, very religiously. I'd, I'd started writing when I was younger. I started writing when I was in third grade, and the first time that I told a story about a farm that I wanted to live on, it won a writing award. And then in high school, when it wasn't cool to, uh, to be a writer, I didn't consider myself a writer, but I like to write and I like to tell stories. That, that camcorder thing did carry over to Paige. And I wrote an ode to fog and I run a, won a writing award for that ode to fog. But that really started to breed and nurture a passion for telling stories. So I left it alone and then when I got into my mid-twenties with my ex-wife and I started writing a book about a gentleman that I, that I met my freshman year of college. <clears throat> that had been to jail, actually, and had been in jail, did some hard time for a situation where honestly he was, of course, everybody's innocent, right? He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and therefore his goals, his dreams, his aspirations as an 18-year-old man, young man, child, now that I look back at it, being almost 40, he was a child, had to go to jail, do the hard time, and Everything he wanted to do, everything he thought he was going to do, changed. And Waylon, I don't know your last name, I can still picture you, but smart, smart individual. I think he spent his time in jail and in lockup and, and utilized it. He manned up, he stepped up and said, hey, I'm going to make the best of this situation. I am going to learn. I'm going to get educated whilst I'm in here because I'm not going to be in here forever. I will not always be this caged animal. And I'll have to go back out into the world and I will have to adapt and I will have to learn what I've missed out on over the last, I think it was somewhere between five to 10 years 
as a young man, you kind of romanticize in some weird way <clears throat> that he did this really brutally hard time. But anyway, Waylon was a very smart individual, very impactful on my life because he was so intelligent. He used words. His vocabulary was so broad that my friend and I literally had a notebook called Waylon's Words because there was a day, there was not a day in class that went by that we didn't know words that Waylon was using. We didn't know what they meant, or what the hell he was even talking about. So we'd write them down to the best of our ability. This was really before phones were the brilliant little computers that they are now. And we go look them up. Uh, Waylon, as I said, it was my freshman year of college. So he was in school and he had talked a lot about how difficult it was to be able to find help on the outside. He's a felon. He's a felon. But look at this guy. If you can, if you can think about this really quick and not just blow past this because maybe this is a part of my story and then you're going, oh, what's, what's, what's Justin getting to? This guy really plays into exactly what this podcast, what the blog, what the idea behind navigating the intentional life is because Waylon was being 100% intentional on his day-to-day. There wasn't a day that went by that Waylon thought, am I doing enough today to make tomorrow better? Dude was living it. He was the embodiment of being intentional and not making excuses for what life had given him and feeling sorry for himself. And that was so big for me. So... I started writing this story and I realized very quickly exactly what I wanted to write about because again, Waylon was so impactful and I thought, yeah, I can make a story from that. So I started that when I was 25 years old and it's loosely based around what Waylon told me, what he told my friend about what he had experienced and that in that, that moment of sitting down and writing, I realized very quickly how difficult it is to be a writer. It's a discipline, just like going to the gym, just like learning another language, just like working in a relationship. It's a discipline. You have to stay consistent to get progress and to find some level of success. And life happened for me. No excuses. I basically fell out of that discipline. I fell out of that consistency. And here we are, and it's 15 years later. <clears throat> I have not finished the story about Waylon, the loosely based story about Waylon. But that's okay, because uh, in that time frame, I got to grow a bit. My life changed. We split, my ex-wife and I, and we had another kid as well before that. You know, you do that thing, right? Everything starts to go bad, and you go, hey, you know what's a good idea? have another kid that'll fix us that'll get us right back on track and we're going to live happily ever after together it was a month after we decided to call it quits that I got the phone call that she was pregnant with my youngest child it's a big wake-up call I've got two kids now two one's five and at that time I got one on the way and that pregnancy couldn't have been more difficult it was very emotional my youngest son was born with cleft lip and cleft palate and there were a lot of complications surrounding it obviously we were not a happy little family at that time frame we had decided that we weren't going to stay together but we have another kid on the way and so man I thought what am I gonna do what am I gonna do because this has failed I have failed. I have let my ex down. I have let my son down. I have let my family down. And I have let God down. I got to make it right. I got to figure something out. My oldest, at the time, I felt it would be best if I, I I had to make a change to be able to take care of him and and be the best father that I that I could for him 
I spoke to his mother and at that time we were very amicable and we still work together. I still want what's best for her or what she, I mean, what she believes is best for her. And in that, what is ultimately best for our two boys. I ended up moving. Really, really tough decision. My boys were living uh, an hour and a half, two hours away from me at that point. And I didn't feel like I was doing enough. I didn't feel like I was challenging myself enough. I knew there was something else that I was supposed to be doing and I was not meeting my full potential. And I felt like for me to be the best dad, I had to reach my full potential. And there was always and has always been this thing inside of me that burns. I'm not talking about an STD. So get that out of your head. It's this drive. It's this, this uneasiness, this unrest that I feel when things become too normal or routine or easy. And I was, I was being eaten up at that time by it. I was like, this can't be my life. It can't be. It cannot be who I am. I, I, was, I was so lucky growing up. I was a good athlete. I had a lot of friends. I had good family. I was going places. It was big time. There was almost 30 working in an insurance office, a brokerage, I believe is what it was. I, I see that's how in tune I was. I can't even remember what the hell it was. Oh, this is my life. I look around that office and I looked at my boss and I, and I could see it in their eyes. Like life just at some point had been sucked out of them or it was dying every day they punched into that office. Old ass musky building. It stunk. It's old, probably had asbestos in it still. The job was mundane. There was no real you know, incentive to be good at it. You're only making money for anybody else. Not making really anything but beans for yourself. And so I, I started taking action. I thought, well, what do you like to do? What do you really like? Well, I'd always been into sports. I was coaching. And so I started looking around. So looking around the country, what could I do to be out of this place? I gotta get out of my home state. It wasn't for me. And so I was calculated. I had family here in Texas, South Texas. I thought, you know what? That's gotta be better than what I'm doing right now. And as, as God would have it, I put the work in behind it and he rewarded me got a job coaching and the job coaching at the time was more money than I was making working that quote unquote real job. How many times I heard that? <laughs> it's funny when you want to make a change. It's funny what people will do, what they'll say, how they'll act towards you. Some people, they support you very passively. They'll make little comments. Ah, oh, you know, maybe that'll work. I don't know. I mean, you can, you can try. Okay, thanks. Other people, they get really fired up. Yeah, man, like that sounds great. And here we go. And if you do this, maybe you could do this. And I know this guy that knows this guy that has a dog. There was a friend with this guy. And they get really jacked up for you. They want to be a part of it. Because maybe they themselves are missing something. And then there's... A large majority of people that maybe I'll say I call them thank you cards and what I mean by that is this before I was leaving to head down to South Texas to make that eight-hour drive with all of my things packed up and leaving everything that I I knew <clears throat> and to be that far away from my oldest and yet to be born youngest um, I went and had a conversation with a quote unquote family member. And this person has their feelings for a reason. I think 
they saw something on a personal level from somebody else in their family that tried to do the same thing and it didn't work out. A lot of excuses behind why it didn't, but it didn't work out. And so I think in some parts they didn't want to see it work out for me. Or maybe it was their best way of saying, hey, watch out. I don't want you to get disappointed. Maybe it was that. I'd like to believe it was that. But the comment that was made was, at some point, you'll have to wake up and realize it's just a dream. And you'll have to get a real job. <laughs> wake up and get a real job. My job was making more than this person had made probably most of their lives. So... I don't know what classifies a real job to whatever it was that I was doing with coaching, but I would say I'd take that pay over what they were being paid. Not that it's all about money. It's not, because I was also getting to do what I'm good at, what I'm passionate about. A calling. It's that thing, thing that burns inside of me, again. Not an STI. I said STD earlier. I understand the correct terminology for that, or the correct acronym is STI now. But I'm old. <clears throat> anyway, not to go down that. Maybe another podcast. So I left, and man, life was good. Life just took off. The career took off. I met people that I, I thought I would never meet. Shameless plug, I got to talk to Marcelo Balboa, who is part of the uh, 94 men, U.S. men's national team. That rock star, all-star group that just as a young man, 90, 94, I was 12 years old putting my age in here now I looked up to I looked up to not Alexi Lawless so much but Marcelo some of the other ones uh, that came to be Tab Ramos shout out Houston Dynamo they were great I got to talk to them and among that a slew of other people slew of other people the Phil Stevensons the G Guerreros I'm name dropping right now because I never thought as a young man from Northeast Oklahoma with what I call Levi Jean coaches, the dad coaches, that I would ever be doing what I was getting to do. And I couldn't have been more proud. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't wait every day to do what I was doing. Did I hate it at times? Did I not want to do it? Yeah. And I'll get to that part because I think we think that once we start doing what what we're passionate about that it's all going to be easy and that's further couldn't be further from the truth <clears throat> so in that time frame my kids are being homeschooled I was getting to see them for about a week two weeks every month I thought this is pretty good it works out that they're being homeschooled but as it went I noticed hey it's just not enough. Schooling's not going the way that it needs to be. They're behind. I'm no educational professional, but I was at a disagreement. There wasn't a lot I could do about it. So not in Houston, not in College Station, not in Spring, Texas, none of those places. So I, uh, I decided to make a change. I decided to change my career path. Not change my career path. I mean... Let me step back a little bit on that. I decided to move from Texas back to my home state about an hour away from my boys because what I realized, kind of a Christopher McCandless shout out into the wild if you're not familiar with the real name, um, Alexander Supertramp, one of my favorite movies, favorite books. Um, happiness is only real if shared. I'll say that again. Happiness is only real if shared. I had a lot of good things going, a lot of successes I was having, but I didn't have my boys. And that's who I wanted to share it with. I was never a sideline dad. I never wanted to be. I didn't want to be the dad that was good with just every other weekend and I'll send in my child support and that's that. I'm doing my job as a dad. Nope, nope, nope. Damn that. That's not me. And so, uh, not that I didn't pay my child support. I did. 
but I had to be closer. I had to be involved. I couldn't, I could not see them. I couldn't wait. There was no, that was no life for them to live two weeks in one place, two weeks in another. How do you get consistency there? So no regrets. I moved, I moved back and I was told multiple times that what I was doing was career suicide. I did not care. Couldn't have given two shits less. I was massively appreciative. I cannot explain in words or express how appreciative I was for the people, Lee Baker, the Baker family, the Guerrero family, all the wonderful families out in College Station that helped me. But I couldn't care less because my kids were eight hours away. So I came back. <clears throat> a lot of dads, I, I feel like, unfortunately, don't feel like they can do that, aren't willing to do that. Maybe they're scared, I don't know. Maybe they need a wake-up call, but for me it was simple. And I don't regret it because I came back and I spent a year and I realized, hell, this is the one thing I know how to do. I came back and I coached in Oklahoma and I was, a, I, was a, I was a part of and a director at one of the biggest clubs in the state. What could go wrong? Hell, I might even defy that it wasn't career suicide and that my career will actually blossom even more so. Smaller market, it's a little behind the times, it'll be okay. I was way off base, way off base. I go back to this club and I tell you guys right now, who is at the top is massively important. Their goals, their mission statement, why they're in it, those things are important to find out before you make a change or before you take a job, before you put yourself into something because I just assumed it was so easy here. You know, big market. I thought, man, I'm not going to, I'm just to be happy being a staff coach. No, I, I was real fortunate. I worked hard. And in a large market, I was making a big name for myself. And I thought, coming back to Oklahoma? Come on. It's going to go swimmingly. Well, I didn't do the homework. I didn't take the time to get to really know the people at the top. And I can say that uh, that club could be a lot better than what it is. Now, in that time frame, I think they have changed ownership, thankfully. The, the ones that ran it, uh, <laughs> well, we'll save that for another podcast. But it is important who you have leading. It's important how you lead as to uh, how successful you are going to be. And the environment's got to be right. You've got to pay attention to that. These are not excuses. I still did well. I still love the people that I work with because I had a lot of good people around me. And they helped me. Uh, be better in my job. They helped me learn. They helped me grow. They kept me moving forward. And in all that, I had my kids. Got to see them weekly now. But I also had to make a living. I still had to pay child support. And I still had to be me, right? So I, uh, I ended up coming back to Texas, back to the same club that I had been with. And got to a point where my kids were down here constantly. Finally, one night, talking to my oldest, he had expressed that he wanted to uh, make a change, and so we did. And at that point, I realized, hey, you know what? No, the change has got to happen, man. The quality time, the experience with them, like, yeah, they're here, but coaching, man, being a director, it's draining you put a lot of time giving a lot of yourself to other people's kids <laughs> or to you know to the other players to you know their successes their experiences their memories and not enough for my kids and so I thought no way I'm not going to be that dad either I've experienced that in some ways So I found a different job, got 
again, a lot of luck, a lot of blessings, a lot of God looking over me. But I also believe that whenever you're doing what's right, when you're following your gut, because see, this is the thing that I haven't said. Every move that I've discussed, every change that I've made, from leaving that shitty insurance office to where I'm at right now, sitting here doing this podcast that maybe people will listen to, maybe they won't. I listened to my gut and I blocked out the other noise because everybody's going to have something to say. I had one really good friend tell me that I was abandoning my children and that's not what a real man does. That shit stuck. That was heavy. But I knew in my gut what I needed to do. And a lot of those decisions, leaving Oklahoma, taking the job in College Station, leaving College Station, leaving Oklahoma, they were all decisions that were really big but really simple because I knew deep down I was doing what was right. It was what was right. So, leaving coaching, dropping out of coaching, my passion, how I identified myself. I was holding on to the game and the player that I never was. <laughs> I wanted to be professional, but I was not good enough. And so, what are the, what are the, what's the saying? What is the saying? Those that aren't good enough, coach. They teach it. And that's what I did. And you know what? I was fine with that. Because here's the thing. When you take that ownership and you are the lead, you are the lead. You put that responsibility of success and failure on your shoulders. Guess what? When you succeed, it's that much richer. When you fail, it's that much lower. You feel it deeper. It's intoxicating. But I knew I needed to change. I needed to provide a better lifestyle for my kids, for myself, for a future spouse. Because again, on all this time, I wasn't really dating. I had a few relationships here and there, and that was great. And those were, 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 were wonderful people. It didn't work out, but we learned a lot. Again, I go back to I'm probably not the easiest person to be with. I know I'm not. <laughs> but that's okay. Because God's timing is typically not within our timing. So that patience is key. And as they say, virtue. So the last three and a half, four years now, I've been working in a regular, more nine to five corporate America type industry. I'm never a desk guy. <laughs> never a desk guy. I can't. I can't do the cubicle. I can't be tied to a desk. My That thing inside of me, that whatever it is, that caged animal, my nomadic spirit, I can't do it. But this job was perfect because I was able to get out. I was able to interact with people, which I love. Absolutely love that. Because the difference between the interaction that I had with coaching, which is a very antisocial job, by the way. You're probably thinking, how? You're always around people. Yeah, it's true. But I'm working when I'm around those people. And when I'm not working, everybody else is working. And so it's very antisocial. Very hard to have a relationship. But then this job, I was able to be around people and I could actually interact. Because they, they were working too and so was I. And there's events and there's opportunity. And I've really fallen in love with it. Never thought I would say that. But I got here because of the work that I put into what I was doing with coaching and the people that I met. I was fortunate enough to coach a man's son that he had the power, the authority, the position to bring me in, and he did, and that was almost four years ago, and I could not be more thankful for that. Gerald, you know who you are. I got to work with a great team, amazing team. Best boss I've ever had. She was amazing. It was really good 99% of the time. It, 
being able to separate friendship from professional demeanor. And it made that job with that company so much of a blessing and so fulfilling and rewarding. I can't tell enough how thankful I was to be able to go into that kind of a change with people like that. Some of the best people I've ever met. I love every single one of them still. So worked there, made some changes. It was time again. I thought, man, there's just a little bit more. And maybe I was, I'd been so blessed that I started to get a little off track in my thinking and that I thought, man, I, I listened to my gut and I can't go wrong. You can, <laughs> you 100% can. And I didn't know that. I hadn't experienced it yet. At this point for 10 years, every change I had made had gone well. And then I tried to make a change that blew up drastically and dramatically in just the worst ways possible in every aspect of my life. It blew up, but it was not my doing. It was out of my hands, but it, it sure as shit hurt. Never experienced anything like it. Changed my job. Didn't work out. But that's okay because got through it. And in that hurt, that hurt that I was experiencing, I realized something. I was still falling short of my potential. I was not living up to this concept and this belief that I had in my head or that I that I love to see in movies or on social media of these men like Jocko Wilnick and Tim Kennedy and the Dakota Myers and all that of the world that I thought I was tough and life really kicked me and what did I do? I acted like a little asshole. <laughs> Couldn't handle it. Oh, I failed, I failed. No, you're acting like a little asshole. Man the fuck up. Took about a month and a half. And I thought, no, you know what? Never again. Never again. My kids deserve better. I deserve better. And so... The picture became clear. I started the pot, or I started the blog, navigating the intentional life. Now, right now, it doesn't have a domain, but the domain will be navigating the intentional life. When that time comes, I'll announce it here. I'll announce it on my social media as well. Um, but I realized, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start this blog. The blog, by the way, jlcopeland73.wixsite.com. Come back to that later. Shameless plug. But I thought, okay, I got a lot to say. I have a lot of experiences. I have a lot of stories. And so I'm going to start putting them in this blog. And that blog is going to be the resume. It's going to be the foundation to promote a podcast to where now we can hear each other. We can interact in a way that you can't on a blog and everybody blogs fuck shit everybody blogs i don't know how many people have actually looked at my blog yet ideally after the podcast comes out maybe just maybe it'll inspire a few more readers but if not that is also okay because we're going to get this message out one way or the other and so i came up with the concept for navigating the intentional life and that's what this is. In my mind, I thought, well, I'm no one special. I'm not Marcus Luttrell. I'm not Lieutenant Murphy. I'm not Pat Tillman. But, like me, they're human and they made choices. So can I. And so here I am. Hoping that when I say I'm navigating the intentional life, what I mean by that and what you'll grab onto is that as a man, 
I'm going to lead from the front as best as I can at all times. What does that mean? It means I'm going to live a life with a moral foundation that requires and demands respect. Why? Because I'm going to treat you the way one biblically says that I should. I'm going to love you the way that I would like you to love me. I'm going to do what I can to give back, to help, to be an example, whether it's a godly man or whether it's a good man, whether you want to go religious or secular, I will work my best daily to embody that with humility, hard work, fortitude. I want to navigate intentionally so that I'm financially sovereign. I want to work hard enough to where I dictate my hours so no one can tell me when I can go on vacation again or how long or where no one me I get to I want to leave a opportunity or dare I say legacy for my two sons that if they choose to take it on they can if they don't that's also their prerogative but it's there for them and it'll provide ideally a lifestyle an opportunity that will show them how to navigate their own worlds in a way where they're good, strong men that are respectful to their mother, to any daughter out there that they may date. So that one day when they have their own families, they do the same thing. They pass down the concept of being a man that will put his family and his life on his shoulders because that's what we're supposed to do. That is our expectation. So it's up to you. And this goes men or women, young or old. It's never too late until you stop breathing. But what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? Is it going to impact your tomorrow? Is it going to impact you a year from now? And in what way? We can blame a lot of things. I've done that. Still do that. I feel sorry for myself. I get down. I woe is me. I get pissed off. I get impatient. I think I know more than I do. All those flaws, I do that. But that's why I go back to the people that I shout out, shouted out at the beginning. I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Gut check. Where are we at? I had a professor one time tell me he didn't think that I was in school for the right reason. I was like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, hold on. Hold, hold, whoa. Back that fucking train up. Not in school for the right reason. What is the right reason? I'm getting an education. I'm getting a degree because I've been told to get a, get a degree for, get a, for getting a good job. I really struggled with that. <laughs> but right, like we all heard it. We all heard it, especially if you're around my age. I'm a, I'm a, a millennial grad, right? Millennium, sorry. Not a millennial. Screw all that. Um, I'm a millennium grad. So... Man, college, that was the way. That's your ticket. That's your golden ticket to that job that's going to make you successful, that's going to make you wealthy, that's going to make you rich, that's going to give you the house and the girl and the cars and the boats. And it's bullshit. He said, why are you here? Why this degree path? Well, Professor, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't, I'm just doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing. I don't want to be here. You're right. <laughs> No, I this is a waste of my time. I want to be on a soccer field. I want to be anywhere but here. He said, you are in the wrong place. You are in the wrong class. You are at the wrong school. You are not doing what you're really made to do. And I said, well, what the hell does that mean? What do I do, professor? He said, uh, you take the first step. That's it. Take the first step. It's fucking brilliant. 
as Brian. And I think about that at the beginning of every venture. What's the first step? Let's focus on that. And once we do that one, we don't fall. We might. We might. It's okay. What then will be the next one? We'll figure it out once we take the first one. So the blog was that first step. And now I'm sitting here with the podcast by myself talking Hopefully not putting people to sleep. If you're on a long drive and you hear this, because I think we're going to be on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Thank you, Anchor app. Hopefully you take something from it. Maybe you listen to my rambling and think, what's my first step? Or maybe I should back that up because maybe maybe I don't even know what my purpose or calling is, but there's something like Justin said that's burning inside of me that I can't sleep at night sometimes because I don't sleep well because I don't know why. Well, maybe it's that damn STD. (laughs) Or maybe it's that burning inside because you know you're not doing what you're meant to do. Maybe you want more, but you don't know how to get to it. Maybe you want more, but you have this or this or this in the way and you don't know how to get around it. getting around it you have to see it first you have to identify whatever it is before you can take that first step you have to see where you're going or where you want to go maybe you can't see the finish line but that's okay that's okay you're running a marathon it's not a sprint too many of us get caught up in the right now and they, they want it right now. That's not the case. That's not how it's going to work. It's not. You are not going to have what you want tomorrow. You're probably not going to have what you want in a year from now. But if you don't take the first step, you won't know. You won't know if in a year from now you're going to have it. You could, but you won't if you don't try. You have to look past your own expectation. You have to identify what's keeping you where you're sitting right now and say, what do I have to do to get to this next step? Got to take the first one. So in this, it all... Wraps around this. I'm trying to navigate where I'm going. To navigate. When you're using a map, you have to be intentional. You have to look at the roads. You have to look at the off-ramps. You have to be intentional. You can't guess. You can't hope. I mean, hope is fine. Faith is fantastic. You're not going to navigate without faith. But you have to be intentional. So the name became easy for me, right? Navigating the intentional life. Because life's going to happen. I've been meaning to publish a podcast for over two months now. I've, I've done several podcasts in the last two months now. Shit, I was scared to put it out there. Why? I had a lot of friends in high school. We just had this conversation the other day with a close friend of mine. Going, yeah, that can almost be a bad thing because then you go, well, what if so-and-so sees this and they think this? Who gives a shit? Let me say that again. If I give a damn about what somebody else thinks, I'm not hurting them. Because their thoughts and their opinions don't pay my bills. Their thoughts and their opinions don't provide my kids opportunity. Their thoughts and their opinions do not get to dictate my quality of life. Plain and simple. So who gives a shit? I don't. Any of my friends out there that are listening, I don't give a shit. I love you, but I don't. You may like this. You may hate it. That's fine. 
I will take this as far as I can and I will not care and be apologetic if you don't agree. I still love you though. So that is in, in part what we're doing here. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to have, we, uh, we have some great guest speakers that are going to be coming on. We have some amazing individuals that I consider part of the, what I'm calling the one percenters. I'm going to have to find a different, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to verify that statistic. I, I didn't verify that 1%, but the idea is that there's got to be maybe 1% of the people out there that they are, they are doing exactly what they want to do. They're entrepreneurs. They are believers. They are seekers. They are go-getters. Those are the kind of people that I want on my podcast. I don't want mediocre. <laughs> I don't want the chicken shits. I love you all. Yeah, I love you all. But for me to stay motivated, for me to continue to do what I can that's best for my kids, I've, I've got to have that around me. And I want to learn from them. And I want anyone who listens to learn from those people. Because they're amazing. They're fascinating. All of us are fascinating. We all have our story. We're all able to be a part of that 1%. And then we can turn it into the 99% or the 100%, whatever it is. I would love to see that. But that's what we're going to do here. And so, in closing this very first episode of Navigating the Attention Life, episode one. So I'm, I'm excited I'm thankful we are going to dive into what we can do or what we're doing here to impact the world around us, to impact our worlds around us. Starts there, right? Start with yourself. Man, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. So that said, again, a big thank you to those that are out there being a part of that 1%. <laughs> Got to check the statistic. I need, a, I, need a, I need a stat checker before I get in trouble. But uh, to those, those movers and shakers out there that they see the bigger cause and they fight for it. The Dan Crenshaws. Oh, I just put myself in a category. Again, Tim Kennedy's, my veteran brothers and sisters out there, past, present, and future. We will talk a lot of military. But to you people, I say thank you. To you listening, I say thank you. And I hope that once this goes out, that we are able to connect and communicate in ways that uh, will be helpful and impactful for all of us. You can find me uh, on the social medias. I am on Facebook. Um, Again, this is Justin Copeland. You can also find me on Twitter at Justin L. Copeland, where I do present more of my blog type material. So that said, this is... Episode 1, Navigating the Intentional Life. You all be kind, be good, and we'll talk to you next time.